We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Helton. Hey everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the Monday, August 28th edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Football. Joining me today is my colleague Derek Van Riper. Now, Derek, this is the final week that we will all be doing this without previewing actual real football games. Which is pretty cool. It's weird. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? That we're gonna have stuff to talk about like two weeks from now, especially like stuff that's unique to talk about, not the same thing we've kind of looked at for several weeks. But this weekend was that dreaded weekend of injuries we knew Oof. is going to happen. It, it, it inevitably happens every year during the preseason. Yeah, I have. Um, I'm, I'm doing a big MFL with my friends, and I picked Edelman in the fourth round. Ooh. So that was a, that's a killer. And and for people, I mean, look if you if you picked Edelman, you're you know, I mean, you, you just figure you move, you move forward, you figure out who's the best on your wire. Everybody's league is different. Fine. For people who haven't drafted yet about Edelman, um, and if you haven't heard, everybody has. Julian Edelman, torn ACL, done for the season. Big blow to the Pats. How does this work with the Pats? Because it's funny. Everyone over the weekend jumped on Chris Hogan. But it's not the same role. Chris Hogan's not a slot guy or hasn't been a slot guy. So 
does Hogan benefit just because they spread the ball differently or does Amendola step up? How do you think this works for the Pats? I think the Patriots are one of those teams. They're always going to fit the scheme to the personnel. And if they don't think that Amendola or Hogan can just replicate what Edelman does, and certainly there's a, there's a talent gap for both of those players versus Edelman in that role in particular, they'll change things up. They'll just move guys around. Maybe they'll run Brandon Cooks out of the slot a little bit. Uh, maybe we'll see more two-back formations. We'll see a lot of different things, I think, as a result of this injury. And I think people chasing Hogan, it's kind of a two-part issue like he scored twice in the game where Edelman got hurt um, but also he had a pretty interesting uh, season last year where at, at times he flashed up a lot of value he was up over 11 yards per target he just didn't get anything close to the volume that we expected so I mean there was some sleeper buzz with him last year I think people are looking for a reason to jump back in and with Edelman gone I think the the big winner in terms of the target distribution is Brandon Cooks like if you had any doubts at all about Brandon Cooks not getting a ton of targets in the New England offense. You take whatever Edelman was going to get, just give a portion of those to Cooks. Now he's the kind of guy that could maybe make a push to be a top five receiver this year. All right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I like Hogan. I feel like everybody is looking at Hogan. I actually had this conversation with uh, Carl Sachik from Dynasty One Football on Friday about the, you know, the stereotypical white slot receiver. And I think that's why everybody's looking at Hogan. Literally, like, oh, hey, Chris Hogan could do that. Like, eh, no, I don't know. And Danny Amendola, if he could go 80 for 540, that would be fun to see. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be, I mean, like, it'd be hard for that to happen in that offense, though. I mean, Amendola had some weird numbers with the Rams because the coordinator at the time was Brian Schottenheimer, inexperienced Sam Bradford, and bad personnel otherwise. Like, those were all limiting factors before. So if you give Danny Amendola 80 catches in the New England offense, He's probably getting you close to a thousand yards and you know, four or five TDs. I just, I think it's going to be a pie redistributed over several players. I don't think it's plug and play yeah. in New England. And you know, we saw it with the backfield this weekend too. Rex Burkhead was out with an injury. Gillisley came in after Deion Lewis started, and James White helped get the Patriots into the red zone. Mm-hmm. And Gillisley punched in a short TD, then punched in a two point conversion. And I think it's like. We're sitting here trying to imagine that the Patriots are going to have this nice, clean, clear distribution of how they want to handle touches. And they're going to, of course, reveal that to all of us as fantasy players, too. When in reality, they just have a lot of weapons and they're going to use them to build Belichick's liking, which is going to be schemed perfectly to the opponent. And frankly, we're not on that level as far as how we could analyze the personnel they have. Yeah. So that, that's where my problem has been all along with this backfield. I mean, I don't, I don't have doubts about Mike Gillisley as a talented enough player to put up big numbers. I just have doubts about usage being consistent because usage is rarely consistent with this backfield. Like if you look over the last 10 years, the Patriots and the saints are the two teams. You look at their running game. There are a lot of times where they just chop up touches. They get fullbacks involved. They get pass catching specialists involved. They mix and match at the goal line. They do all sorts of things to make us go crazy. And I just don't think this year is going to be any different with the Patriots. Okay, so speaking of their backfield, is anyone, like you mentioned earlier with the receivers, that, that maybe if they start moving pieces around, that, that maybe Cooks could benefit, right? That you could see that as a possibility. When you look at the backfield compared to a month ago, and I know it, it, with 
the caveat, like you said, that it's difficult to analyze. Compared to a month ago, any of the four Pats backs, do you, do you like any of the four more than you did a month ago? You know, I think I like Burkhead a little more than I did when Gillisley was getting drafted as like a fourth or fifth rounder. Like back when the Scott Fishbowl was happening, I thought Burkhead was just a lottery ticket, nothing else. Now it looks like he's a little bit more because he has sort of passed the eye test in the two games that he's played. Right. And the other guy that I think is maybe up a little bit in value is actually James White. And it goes back to what I was saying before with the Patriots scheme where I could see them making some adjustments, lining White uh, up in the slot potentially and doing some things, maybe kind of like what Cleveland would do with Duke Johnson. Mm -hmm. uh, Because Duke Johnson was practicing with wide receivers like throughout training camp. I just wonder, because they have four backs, if if White, who they really like as that pass catching specialist, if he's the kind of guy that steps up, gets into the slot once in a while and does some things that he wasn't going to do, you know, with Edelman healthy. Okay. Um, everybody, we, we need to thank Yahoo Fantasy Football for sponsoring the Rotowire Fantasy Football podcast like they've been doing all month. We really appreciate it. You can sign up now for Yahoo Fantasy Football at rotowire.com slash Yahoo. Also, check us out on Twitter. As always, Derek is at Derek Van Riper. I'm at jhoppin37. You can also get us at Rotowire or at Rotowire NFL where we've got lots of updates and you can find us on Facebook. All right, another big injury. Spencer Ware. Um, spent probably, we're not definitely out for the year, but probably out for the year is the last I heard on Spencer Ware. And that's a rough one. I, I think people had a, a a mixed view of Spencer Ware because they kept looking at Kareem Hunt being a threat. Now, with Spencer Ware out, the backflips people were doing over Kareem Hunt's fantasy value over the weekend was just amazing. Everybody, oh my God, can I pick Kareem Hunt over everybody? This is so amazing. I'm going, all right. I mean, he's good, and the role seems, you know, pretty clear right now. How high do you boost Kareem Hunt in your, let's say, in your rankings? What kind of round do you pick him in 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 your, you know, your average, let's say, standard league? Some people don't think this is lazy analysis, but I looked at Spencer Ware as kind of appropriately priced based on the offense he was in and the likely touch volume he was going to get as the lead back who could possibly lose the job, but actually was decent last year, 4.3 yards per carry 33 catches. I mean, Spencer Ware averaged 13.5 yards per catch last year. That's really pretty yeah, good. Right. Um, so I, I look at hunt as a guy that now goes kind of in that. I mean, he's, he's going to go earlier than I'm willing to take him in most leagues. We, I saw Howard Bender, the gravy boat tweeting this weekend about drafting Kareem hunt in the second round. I thought, gravy what are you doing man like what what's going through your head like uh, what's what's been happening recreationally in, in the <laughs> in the bender office suite and look i i mean i think kareem hunt's a really talented player yeah most people do but if you're taking him over the big four rookie running backs we were talking about before that that seems like a stretch i mean sharkandrick west is at least familiar with the offense he's at least competent enough to help share some of the workload do I think Sharkandrick West is a dynamic player? No, but I think he knows the system and I think knowing the system matters. So I, I, I could see in my rankings where Hunt falls in that 20 to 25 range among running backs, but someone in the room, likely several people in the room for every draft I do from here on out is going to be maybe not as high as Howard Bender is on Kareem Hunt, but at the three, four turn, 
I think after those other four rookie running backs are gone, Hunt's the kind of guy that people are going to start taking over, you know, Ty Montgomery. He's past Paul Perkins, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, you know, those those kind of backs are the kind of guys that Hunt has leapfrogged. And if I lose my league to someone that took Hunt in the third round, that's that's a situation where you just kind of tip the cap and say, hey, you, you priced him correctly. You were aggressive enough to get the guy that was going to make a big difference. But I'm willing I'm willing to look at the Chiefs offense and say it has some limitations. And for Kareem Hunt to return late third, early fourth round value, that looks like a stretch. Okay. So I think the argument that I've seen for that, you mentioned Charkendrick West. And knowing the system absolutely matters. And I do think people are trusting, you know, basically putting complete trust in a rookie running back is difficult to to do everything right and keep his job and not make his coach mad, miss blocks and all that. But I think the argument that I've seen from people is that, well, holding off Chark Hendrick West is not so hard. Like basically, I saw someone make the argument. It might have been. Uh, JJ Zachary said from number fire who's going to join us later this week who said something to the effect of well I've got hunt ranked higher than I had Ware because Ware had to hold off hunt but hunt has to hold off West and that's easier and you look at these other guys and you say well McCaffrey well he's mixed in with Stewart Mixon, well uh, Jeremy Hill's still there um I, I mean I don't know I think I'm with you and what I'm looking at, okay, you, you mentioned Ty Montgomery. So you take Montgomery over Hunt? I would, and I'm stupid uh, for doing <laughs> it. But the reason I'm doing that, I just expect the Packers to outscore the Chiefs by a ton. And, you know, it's it's a lot of rookies behind Ty Montgomery right now. Jamal Williams looked the best of the bunch. I just expect Ty Montgomery to be the kind of guy that piles up like 180 carries, 40 catches, but he gets a good number of TDs. So you look at that volume and you say, that volume's not really what I'm looking for for my RB2. Mm-hmm. The TD output could be that of an RB1 because he's in such a dynamic offense. And that, that's where I think Kareem Hunt could really let some people down. I mean, Spencer Ware had five touchdowns in 14 games last season. That was averaging 4.3 yards per carry. And I think JJ's point about West, you know, Hunt having to beat out West is easier than Hunt having to overtake Ware by comparison, for sure. I mean, Ware had a, a full yard per carry more behind the same offensive line as Sharkandrick West last year. So there was a pretty steep drop-off in talent for the two veterans compared to you know what a guy like Kareem Hunt brings to the table. We know the Chiefs like him. They traded up to get him in the third round. Uh, the question, I guess, comes down to, you know, if you think Montgomery and, and Hunt's a toss-up, do you think Hunt versus Joe Mixon is now a toss-up? I know Jeremy Hill... Uh, got dinged up, got an ankle injury in the game uh, against Washington yesterday. But is that actually one where because there's less of a crowd in Kansas City where you would actually take Hunt in that spot now as opposed to Mixon? I, I think I would now. But I've not been a Mixon guy. And, be, and it's because of the role issues. You know what I mean? Like I'm, not, I'm not going crazy over Hunt, but that's the thing. I've looked at Mixon all along and said, I don't know how much work he's going to get. Like, I'm not confident. I'm not as confident as others in how much work he's going to get. And Hunt, I, I see the path being clearer than Mixon anyway. I mean, I don't have, you know, I've seen some people saying, you know, hey, we got to put him ahead of, you know, Fournette now. Like, come on. That's kind of kooky for me. Are we but, getting to the point with Leonard Fournette where 
you know, because he's not necessarily locked in to the, to the first two rounds, he's starting to slide a little bit where he's actually appropriately priced. Like I thought he was a little overpriced as a mid to late second rounder because of the Bortles factor and the offensive line issues. But if he's falling to the pack with the other rookie running backs, and if you can get him after McCaffrey, after Cook, kind of in the back half of round three, isn't that about right? I mean, I, I think that was, the other, that was the other tweet I saw yesterday pertaining to Hunt was that it might have been J.J. as well. If you're drafting Hunt over Fournette, you know, you're you're really like or if you're drafting Fournette over Hunt, you're overrating talent at the running back position. So I think there's there's a case to be made for this where volume is one thing. And maybe some people are worried about Chris Ivory taking some goal line carries in Jacksonville, even though he, he shouldn't. You know, is Fournette at the right spot if he's falling around where Kareem Hunt goes? I think Fournette is a, I think Fournette is a nice buy at a spot like that. I I think Fournette the vo- I really buy the volume on him. I mean Chris Ivory, come on, come on, they're not going to do that. They, they, they we're, I'm supposed to believe that they draft this guy fourth overall and they're going to let Chris Ivory get meaningful carries. I, I I that would that would amaze me. I think. I'm just, and I'm just and not the, buying it. The Jags are not you know the, the brightest organization in the league but i think they have a pretty good idea as to what chris ivory actually is i mean a career low 3.8 yards per carry last year i didn't think he was great really like in short yard situation he only scored three times in 11 games why would you do anything more than give ivory a series or two like maybe one series per half or something if if fournette's getting the heavy workload like i i just maybe it's the unpredictability of a team like jacksonville but I would agree with you that, you know, for me, it's not it's 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 not just the the talent. It's, I think the volume is even safer with Fournette than it is with Hunt. Yeah. Like just just by a small amount. I think the offenses in terms of their overall proficiency are going to be reasonably close. I mean, I think the Chiefs are one of those teams that at times are going to look explosive, but at times they're going to be limited by Alex Smith. They're going to be limited by the lack of, of pass catching depth behind Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and. We, we can't look at the the Raiders and, and ding Derek Carr for the tough matchups in division and not do the same thing for the Chiefs offense as a whole. I mean, the, the, the AFC West is a great division, a lot of balance, a lot of great defenses. But let's let's be real about just how difficult things are going to be for a team like the Chiefs with the quality defenses that they have to face. Right. Uh, I, I agree. I think the Broncos are finishing last there, by the way. It's, it's interesting, right? I mean, the, the the fact that they just don't have the quarterback situation really figured out is pretty amazing. Yeah. And and they were kind of interested in trading for Colin Kaepernick like this time last year, weren't they? Right. They were. I wonder. I wonder if they would finally be the team that says, you know what? He's clearly better than the two options we have in our window to go back to the Super Bowl. may not be open very long. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean... Someone, someone's going to do it eventually. It's going to happen. And the team that does is going to do it with the intention of giving him starts because we, we know how the media is going to react. We know what kind of circus that's going to bring, which is stupid as that is. It's going to happen. Right. And you don't subject yourself to that as a team without getting the benefit of what Kaepernick can do for you on the field. Yep. And I keep, I keep wondering what the, about the Jags on him, too. I mean, I guess, I mean, it's not like I'm the only one, but I look there no, and I go, the, come on, guys, that's your obvious answer. The the, the best thoughts I've, I've heard on, on the Jags and why they wouldn't do it is, is just because Tom Coughlin is calling the shots 
and and Kaepernick as someone who's clearly not just going to go by the party line that that conflicts so much with everything that Tom Coughlin is about as a head coach and you know now a front office guy yeah. like just just from that perspective like that's an oil and water sort of situation and it's dumb because he'd help them win games like he's he's better than both of their options but I think a team like Denver is going to be more aware of just how bad their quarterback situation actually is if they get off to a slow start. But don't you think I, I, I hear what you're saying about Coughlin, but what I actually had this conversation with someone recently about that. Wouldn't Coughlin be the guy if they decided to do it? Wouldn't he be the almost one of the best options to actually provide cover for Kaepernick? Because if someone else did it, they would get criticism. Coughlin being who he is could basically t- say to everybody, hey, you know, I got a problem, but I'm good. I, this, I'm fine with this. And if I am, you should be too. Because he's got, he's got the, I don't know, street cred is the word that came, phrase that came to mind. But, you know, he's a strong enough leader and a strong enough personality and has enough of a track record. And just because of the type of guy he is, you know, not, a, not military, but people perceive him that way. You know what I mean? As far as yeah. football goes. And he could be the one to say, you know, you know, basically, I'm good with this. And people might go, oh, well, if, if he's good, then then that's OK. Or, or well, another yeah. weaker organization might be different. The, well, I mean, that would certainly go a long way towards getting more people to at least consider, you know, what Kaepernick is doing and why. If, if someone as old school and curmudgeon as if that's a word, uh, as Tom Coughlin brings in Colin Kaepernick. But it just it doesn't seem like that's going to be the fit. I could see it happening right in Denver because they're close. Like they, they may only be a quarterback away from making a run. I mean, if they had Kaepernick instead of Simeon and Lynch, how much more would you like the Broncos right now? Uh, I would. And I, you know, I'm not under any delusions about Kaepernick being, you know, awesome, but he'd be better. And they, they would, yeah, I, I would like the Broncos a lot more than I do right now. All right, everybody, we got to go back and thank our friends at Yahoo Fantasy Football for sponsoring the Rotowire Fantasy Football podcast. With Yahoo Fantasy Football, there are endless ways to feel the wins each week, whether it's a winning waiver claim, a winning piece of smack talk, or actually winning on the field. It's football in its funnest, best form, where there's no such thing as an excessive celebration. Yahoo Fantasy Football is free to play, easy to use on a desktop or on mobile with the Yahoo Fantasy Sports app. Sign up today at rotowire.com slash yahoo and download the Yahoo Fantasy Sports app, which has been rated number one by the Fantasy Sports Trade Association for three years in a row. The Yahoo Fantasy app Messenger allows for all the witty banter and smack talk the elite can muster. The app is just as extensive as the desktop experience. Let's you draft, trade, check waiver options right on your phone. That's going to come in handy starting next week, maybe even now. It gives you in-depth player and matchup analysis to help you fine-tune your roster each and every week. Switch your league to Yahoo, where you can manage your league dues for free. Sign up today for Yahoo Fantasy Football, rotowire.com slash Yahoo. That's rotowire.com slash Yahoo. Yahoo Fantasy Football, feel the wins. Hey, they had their national draft day thing over the weekend, right? Where uh, Yeah, that, that was kind of like industry-wide. And I know, yeah. I know Yahoo was definitely a part of that. I saw Brad Evans wearing his Dick Butkus jersey <laughs> somewhere on a video. It was, you know, that he was going way back old school on that one. So. I saw I saw Brad's show. Brad's got a new TV show. It, yeah. it airs on a lot of the regional sports networks. Like for me, it's on Fox Sports North or Fox Sports Wisconsin. You know, one of those things. Um, and it's on Altitude. I think originally it was on Altitude right. in Denver. Uh, but now you can actually see that show a lot of different places. You check it out. It's a good, good show. Yeah. Fantasy Football Hour. You check it out. Um, I actually recorded it the other day. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm going to do that. Um, all right. Speaking of the Bears, 
Uh, Cam Meredith uh, tore his knee nine different ways the other, uh, the other day. And I feel, we feel terrible for him. Um, I mean, you never see any of the guys we talked about. It's awful, especially have this happen now. You know, they work so hard and, and the season doesn't even start. And, you know, they're looking at next year, hopefully, if things go well. With Cam Meredith done for the season, not that the Bears had a monstrous passing game to begin with, but we were looking at it and saying Cam Meredith might be the guy just because he's pretty clearly the best guy there. Now he's gone. What, what do you do there? Is there anything to do there? Do you look and say, maybe, maybe I reconsider my flyer on Kevin White? Or yeah, do you look at one of the tight ends. What do you do? That that's step one. Kevin Kevin White is is going to be step one. I saw him get a target in the end zone. There was pass interference on the play, so play got broken up, and he kind of dropped it. Um, so he had, a, he had a chance to uh, to score early. At least it was the guy that Mike Glennon was looking for in the red zone. So I think that's pretty encouraging. Ended up catching two of four targets for thirty yards in that game against the Titans yesterday. I think the thing about white is that he has the size and the speed to do a lot of damage on the outside and they don't really have anybody else that you like as an outside receiver yeah. on the depth chart right now. At least they don't have anybody I like. I mean, Marcus Wheaton to me is just a, an extra spare part. The player who I think is, is going to benefit uh, volume wise from, from Meredith not being out there is Kendall, Wright. Mm-hmm. He was pretty heavily used on a, a long drive. The bears had with Mike Glennon's uh, Mike Glennon, the number ones, they went like 96 yards. It was the the drive where White ended up getting you know uh, rocked on the the PI call and, and not getting the TD. But anyway, you look at the the Bears as a team that they're not going to be great, but they're going to be at least competent enough, I think, with Glennon or eventually Trubisky to make one or possibly two pass catchers viable week to week. I mean, I think they're going to be a team that going up against uh, a lot of high powered offenses in the NFC, especially, they're going to struggle to to keep up and they're going to get a lot of garbage time. So white, I think, is the, at the top for me. Uh, his ADP before was outside of the top 150. I could see him jumping three or four rounds as we get closer to the final draft weekend. And I think Kendall Wright in full point PPR leagues may end up being one of those early season pickups who does make a difference. Maybe he's not a guy you throw in your lineup every week, but he's the kind of player you can mix and match into that flex spot, the third receiver spot when injuries and things pop up. But it's got to be full point PPR for me, okay. you know, with Kendall Wright because I, I just. I think it's a lot of short and underneath routes that we saw yesterday. And I think that's the optimal use for a guy like that. What about the tight ends? I mean, they drafted uh, Shaheen kind of high second round, I think. Um, they still have Zach Miller. Is there any, do, do you kind of look at those guys a little, a little more closely? Let's say we're not, although we're not sure which one it's going to be. I'd probably go with Shaheen if I was going to take a shot at a second tight end in a deep league or something. But, but what do you think of those guys? Yeah. Shaheen wasn't getting, anything in terms of a positive praise. I was in Chicago Thursday night uh, prior to the weekend for a fantasy football conference at Soldier Field. So some of the Bears beat writers were there. They said the tight ends as a whole are just showing nothing right now. Deion Sims pulled in a TD uh, against the Titans. I mean, I kind of think it makes sense. Sims would be a guy that maybe has like a Jermaine Gresham kind of role for the Bears, (laughs) which if that has value in your league, yay. Um, But I think Zach Miller, it's like it's a health thing for me with Miller. I mean, he's he's 32. He's missed a lot of time, of course, over the years. And he he would be the guy that should be the most interesting tight end. But I, I have doubts about whether or not he's actually you know going to be on the field as much as he ordinarily would be if he were a completely healthy player. OK, um, speaking of tight ends, Tyler Eifert sat out their game Bengals game on. Uh, I think they played Sunday and they said it was tendonitis in his knee. 
It's probably nothing. But because it's Tyler Eifert, is, is it something? Do you look at him and go, I mean, there's other, kind of like Jordan Reed. And this is not a big injury, but you, do you look at it because it's Eifert and go, oh, something else? Really? Now do, I, now do I have second thoughts about drafting this guy more than I had before? Did, did this news affect you at all or did you just shrug it off? I'm shrugging it off right now because tendonitis just seems to be the kind of thing. It's a little overuse. If it's actually the knee and it goes away in a few days and he's practicing by the end of the week, you know, you can safely ignore it. I think it's already baked into the price. I think with Tyler Eifert, the injuries he's had, he's had back surgery. He's had a major knee injury before. I just see him as the kind of guy that people have already appropriately priced it in. And, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing what this guy has, has dealt with. It was a big elbow injury early in his career, too. So, yeah, shoulder, elbow, uh, just a little bit of everything for Eifert over the years. And I like him where he's going. And I'm not lowering my price on him or my ranking on him until something changes. That's, this has to be a little more serious for me to actually adjust plans for Eifert. Yep. Okay, that's fair. Um one other guy here. One, uh, some, some, another news from the weekend I found interesting. That's pretty much what we're talking about today's news that we saw over the weekend, how it affects us. Because um, as Derek noted in the beginning, you know, we're finally going to get over talking about the same guys. And I got to tell you, talking about Christian McCaffrey and Joe Mixon is even getting on my nerves. So we're going to try not to do it too much. Um, Adam Thielen played PFF tracks the snaps. Played 20 of 33 snaps in the slot, and Stefan Diggs played none. That's a, that's a flip in role for those guys. What do, what do you, when you hear that, what do you take from it? You know, I think for, for me, it just it fortifies the volume for a guy like Thielen because it's probably more short underneath stuff. So that's good for him, maybe in full point PPR. And then for Diggs, I think it means they're going to have him run more routes downfield. Mm-hmm. And when they take a shot downfield, it's going to dig. He's got 23 catches in his first two seasons for 20 or more yards. He's only played in 26 games, so he's missed six games in his career due to injuries. There's a lot of big playability here. And I think people write it off with Stephon Diggs because of Bradford. But the thing that Sam Bradford did really exceptionally well last year, he didn't turn the ball over. Right. I mean, he, he threw it 552 times and only threw five picks. Like, that's pretty impressive. And I know that. You know, the seven YPA is not what we're looking for, but he's very accurate. He's been accurate for a couple seasons. Now we saw it in Philadelphia uh, during his stop there as well. I think as long as he's not turning the ball over, you're going to be pretty content to watch Bradford lead this offense because Diggs and Thielen and Kyle Rudolph, it's a skinny enough tree where all three of those guys can kind of coexist. I think Rudolph is going to take more of a hit than anything else. I think Thielen's going to get more of those short targets. And then we're going to see those shots to digs more often downfield. And Rudolph's going to take a step back from where he was last year. Um, so for me, like the adjustments where Thielen's lining up, you know, it doesn't make me really like him any more or less. It actually makes me feel better about digs because I think that means they're going to just go downfield with him more often. Do, do you think, though, I mean, and Thielen had value with Bradford last year, so maybe I'm, I'm undercutting what I'm about to say, but. When I hear that about Diggs going down field, field more, I go, is, is that with a quarterback like Bradford, does that make me feel good about Diggs? Because Bradford's a dink and dunker. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I think he's going to run some other routes, too. But I just I think it's it's just freeing him up to go and make the big plays on the outside as opposed to forcing him to work more underneath. And I I think with Diggs, there were there were a few games last year where he had really heavy target volumes, 13, 14, 15 targets, a stretch between week eight and week 10 Uh, was against the Bears, the Lions and the Redskins. He scored against the Bears. He had 13 for 80 against the Lions and he had 13 for 164 against the Redskins, but injuries twice just chipped away at his efficiency. And I think really down the stretch, we saw that Thielen kind of took over as their number one receiver uh, because during the fantasy playoffs, especially Diggs just wasn't right. Like he was pretty visibly compromised by his own health at that point. Right. Okay. Um, everybody, the future of fantasy sports is here. Fantrax.com is the first fantasy site built by by fans for fans. You ever want a league rule that you couldn't have in your current league platform? Fantrax has you covered with the industry's most customizable commissioner league manager product. It's all backed up by fast, friendly customer service aimed at providing you with an unrivaled fantasy experience as your one-stop shop for fantasy sports. Fantrax also offers a wide variety of cash games, all with the highest payouts you'll find anywhere. With the 2017 football season fast approaching, starting in 10 days from when we're recording this, by the way, Rotowire has teamed up with Fantrax to offer NFL and college football leagues featuring great prizes and lots of fun. To join us, just go to the Fantrax blog and click the games link from NFL and college football to NHL, NBA, MLB, NASCAR, EPL, and golf. Moving all your fantasy leagues to Fantrax just makes sense. Join the fantasy revolution at Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. Derek, do you play uh, college fantasy football? I did a few years ago, but I have not played in a while. And I was really getting into college DFS because when that was still a thing, yeah, Mario Puig was heading up the college coverage and he was crushing it. Like he was crushing it every week. So I'd come in on a Saturday, start talking, you know, hey, who do, who do you like this weekend? And kind of get a good base from him, make like one or two tweaks and it would work exceptionally well, kind of utilizing Mario's brain to uh, win in college DFS. I, I miss college football as, as a fantasy game. So I'm glad Fantrax has it. Yeah. I actually had a draft last night and I play on Fantrax and, um, we got the guy we're excited. The thing is it's, it's me and a partner and he went to Mississippi state and I actually had to turn the draft over to him last night. I was out, I came home I'm like, Oh great. We got a Mississippi state guy. Of course we did, <laughs> but we got the quarterback, uh, Pat Fitzgerald, who everybody thinks is going to go bananas. So, I, I hope, please tell me if I'm right, everybody. I don't know. I, I, I got to say, I am not the biggest college football watcher. So any advice anyone could give me about college? Uh, yes, we actually got a tight end named Adam Brenneman from UMass because UMass falls into our conference universe in this league. And last year, the guy was getting eight catches a game at the end of the year. And college tight ends basically just they don't do anything. They're dead weight on fantasy rosters. They, they really are. And it looks like we have three who are projected to have double-digit fantasy points per game, and Adam Brenneman is one of them. Mm-hmm. That's J- Jalen Samuels at NC State, Brenneman at UMass, and Mark Andrews at Oklahoma. And then yep. there's a big drop. So there's like three good tight ends, at least as the season begins. Uh, looks like Nick Fitzgerald is the number two-ranked quarterback we've got on the site too. So if you are playing college fantasy, we have custom rankings available at Rotowire. You can check it out, rotowire.com slash pod. And, and as Derek said, it's not Pat Fitzgerald, the head coach at Northwestern, is Nick Fitzgerald, the, the quarterback in Mississippi State. Thank you for that. <laughs> hey, no problem. I mean, he's uh, he's projected for over 1,200 rushing yards. Yes. Insane. So now we're going to be watching Mississippi State and UMass games. So I mean, fun. it looks like Nick Fitzgerald, just based on the projections, like if, if Mississippi State's 
decent this year. He'd be maybe like a dark horse for some Heisman consideration. Here we go. See, now you're making me feel great about my college fantasy team on Fantrax. I love it. It's all, it's all about the stats. I mean, we, we know that. <laughs> all right. Uh, some more news from the weekend. So John Brown, July, everybody loved him. Then Bruce Arians just kind of went, yeah, this guy can't stay on the field. I don't, I'm, I'm mad at everybody. <laughs> then Fitz and, and uh, JJ Nelson because they can't stay on the field and I can't trust any of these guys. And then over the weekend, week three of preseason, John Brown catches two touchdowns. Is he back? Is he maybe? What do, what do we do with this? Do we get, do, do we, the, the question I think I have about this is, do we go back all in on John Brown excitement based on what happened over the weekend? No, we can't. I think the prevailing issue is that, you know, with the sickle cell trait, John Brown is going to have a more difficult time recovering from soft tissue injuries. He had some last year. He had some during training camp and it's great. Like I, I'm, I'm rooting for this guy. I think he's important to the Arizona offense. I hope he can overcome it. I think it's just the kind of thing where he's so dependent upon his speed to be productive that aside from the fact that those injuries are, are tough for speedy receivers to get over anyway, he has you know, a, a health based issue that makes it even more challenging. So maybe I'm not at the firm. I'm not going to draft him anywhere position anymore. Maybe he's still a late flyer, but I'm not pushing him back up. I'm not thinking about him as like a, a guy you'd take in the first seven or eight rounds. And I think that's where people were going back in July yep. before that quad injury popped up. So if he's still falling maybe after round 10 and I'm looking for my fifth receiver, the guy that's going to come in when I have an injury and a bye week, maybe at that point. But that's probably as high as I'm willing to go on John Brown right now, knowing what we know. Um, reminder, everybody, when Jeff Stotts was on with me last week, we talked about John Brown and how the sickle cell trait is tougher at altitude and that Arizona is the second highest altitude uh, location in the league behind Denver. So, yeah, it's uh, an interesting thing that people really don't ever think about. It's, it's always like the altitude thing with Denver. It's when we were when, when Darrell Revis was the best corner in the league. People would say, can I play this receiver against Revis? And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, you probably shouldn't. Right. But no one would ever ask, what do I do with this guy against Brandon Flowers? And Flowers at the time was the number two corner in the league. And it was just it was like Revis was the only corner who mattered. And people kind of treat Denver from an altitude perspective as the only you know, visiting venue where that's a factor. I, I would like to plant my flag and be the first one to talk about James Bradbury Island this year, which I'll bring up in a future podcast because I'm a Panthers homer right now. But all right, you all right. wait how good this guy's going to be. All right, San Francisco. Um, so off season, Carlos Hyde is the starter. And everybody, as the off season progressed, everybody, you know, constantly talked about how we don't trust Carlos Hyde. And then we heard the stories about Kyle Shanahan, quote, pounding on the table for Joe Williams. And then, well, maybe it's Tim Hightower instead of Joe Williams because Joe Williams' measurables aren't that great. And, you know, he's not as good as – and he's 24 years old. And he's not as good as some people think. And Hightower would be the logical guy to maybe pick up any slack from Carlos Hyde if things didn't go well. Now, Matt Breida, undrafted free agent out of Georgia Southern, has all the beat writers kind of excited about the fact that he could be the 49ers backup to Carlos Hyde, who Carlos Hyde has looked great. Everybody's pretty fired up about him now. Um, is Matt Breida now worth a flyer? And we can't, can't, can we, would this be an overreaction to one weekend of news, I think is what I want to ask. It probably would be. I mean, it, I, I thought Kyle Shanahan really liked Joe Williams. Even if he doesn't like Carlos Hyde, Hyde's the most talented back they have. So maybe they end up keeping Hyde 
Williams, Brita, and one of Hightower, Raheem Mostert, or Capri Bibbs. They probably cut at least two of those backs, maybe three, end up going uh, bye-bye because roster construction and who plays special teams and things like that will go into the final decision. So I'm not really throwing any darts at Breida right now based on this. It's interesting that he came to the game as early as he did. I think that's telling when when teams are looking at players in their third preseason game, trying to get a feel for who fits in with the ones. But that could be the kind of thing they do with players who are still on the bubble because you want to see what a guy looks like. If you, if you like a player, you want to see how does he fit in? If, if we need if we need this guy, what does he look like with the first team offensive line? Does he look out of place running there? Does he does he fit going up against the number one defense? I mean, I think that's that's the question that a lot of seventh round picks don't get a chance to answer because they're playing so late in preseason games. So sure, it's an indication that the Niners like him. I don't know if it's enough of an indication to say that they like him more than Hyde or more than Joe Williams at the point where he's going to get any sort of role in the first half of the season. Okay. I think that's fair. Um, speaking of running back darts that maybe we get too excited about this might, this one might be different. Chris Carson with Seattle. Um, they, the Procise and Rawls are banged up and Chris Carson shared first team snaps. This is for the second week in a row, right? With Eddie Lacy, he's he's getting some run here. Now now that it's not just a one maybe one fluky time, how 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 much stock do you take in this one? I think it's a little bit like we just talked about in the San Francisco situation because of the absence of two players. Especially, you give this guy Carson a couple opportunities. You're trying to decide if he's worth one of your last roster spots. If Rawls' ankle trouble persists, Procise, you know, had trouble staying healthy last year, and so did Lacey. You want a running back that you can trust. So I don't think I'm throwing any darts at Chris Carson yet either. I think Eddie Lacey is the kind of player that you, you bring him along somewhat slowly. He came off a major ankle injury last year. Uh, I think Carson may make the roster, but unless Rawls and Procise are hurt to begin the year, I don't really see a role there. I think he'd be more just a special teams guy extra player the kind of guy you pick up later in the year once injuries start to pick away at that depth chart gotcha okay um everybody we got one more sponsor to thank we recommend you go to fantasysportsmarkets.com fantasy sports markets has the best dfs contests available with cash awards and big bonus prizes every day as always with fantasy sports markets there's no salary caps you draft who you want on your roster try the free to enter preseason football contests with the prize being a copy of Madden 18. Register today, enter the promo code ROTOWIRE to get $15 in promotional credit towards your contrast entries. It's available to all U.S. residents. Go to fantasysportsmarkets.com today. All right, more news from the weekend. Sorry about the dog barking, by the way. He's, he's, he's acting up a little bit. Um, <laughs> Deshaun Kaiser has the job in Cleveland. What do you think? I mean, he looked... He made a couple of nice throws the other night, and then generally the stats were pretty bad. What do you, uh, how do you, what do you think this means for Britt and Corey Coleman? I mean, when we saw Kenny Britt last year put up a thousand yards in that Rams offense, that was nothing short of a miracle. Like to, for him as a first time thousand yard receiver to do that with Jared Goff and Jeff Fisher and a bad offensive line, all those factors that were really trying to just wreck the Rams offensive line as a whole or the offense as a whole like that. That's stunning to me. So the situation in Cleveland doesn't seem any worse than that. So whether you, you buy into a Kenny Britt repeat or not, I think that's that's more based on 
what Britt has proven to be over time and the efficiency throughout his time with the Rams was excellent, right around nine yards per carry every season above it. Each of the last two, I think still it's, it's still going to be a problem where with Kaiser, it's going to be a run first offense. We know they like Crowell. We know they like Duke Johnson. We know they love their offensive line. So volume wise, I don't know if you're going to see Kenny Britt reach 111 targets again. He missed one game last year, but I would actually knock the target volume down slightly. And I think because of that, he's probably like a 55 to 60 catch guy, 800 yards, five or six TDs. And it's got less to do with Kaiser than just, you know, Britt in a typical year, not really being nearly as productive as he was last year. So the follow-up might not be as bad as what we saw in 2014 and 2015 from Britt, but I think there's a good reason why people aren't buying into him coming off of an impressive season in a bad set of circumstances last year. Right. All right. Um, the Jets. Right, what's going What do you think they're going to – you think they're really going to start Christian Hackenberg? At least a little bit. I mean, I I don't know why. Uh, they Did they not play Josh McCown this they, weekend they did too? did not play Josh McCown. I mean, yeah, they, this, is, um, this is stunning to me. I, I get that you you the the idea of we got to see what this guy can do, but I think we all know it's going to be bad. Well, here's what I'm trying to figure out. I'm almost wondering if Todd Bowles is being completely honest with the media in this case, where he's like, Josh McCowan has played a preseason games. Maybe they just know McCowan's way better than Hackenberg. It, that's amazing to say that a 38-year-old journeyman basically is, is that much better than a guy uh, that they drafted pretty early a couple of years ago. And I don't think Bryce Petty's the answer either. I mean, I, I think right. they they can tank regardless of who's at quarterback. Like if McCowan's there, they win one game instead of zero. They win two games instead of zero. They could still the first pick pretty easily right? with Josh McCowan as their starter. I think Todd Bowles is supposed to meet with the media today. Yes. Maybe we get some clarity. This this could have almost been the Jets just trying to see if they're going to cut Christian Hackenberg, <laughs> running him with the one. I mean, again, like like getting, getting those reps with the ones, those are limited. And maybe they're just going to cut their losses. And, and this was their their way of evaluating him one last time in a scenario where kind of like, all right, show us something and we'll keep you around as the backup. Maybe they only keep two quarterbacks in this team. Right. Um, yeah, this is just the, the, what a what a bad and it's too bad. For, I feel bad for their defense because they're actually pretty good. You know, the yeah. defense line, I, and and you know that that's a team that you would think if they get the offense fixed, they might not be as far away as you would think based on what we think is going to happen this year because the offense is going to be so bad. But I, I keep the more I look at those guys, I keep thinking, I keep looking and saying, obviously their offense is bad. But the more that the gravity of that situation settles in, it makes me think that Bilal Powell is going to catch a million passes. You know? Yeah, do you, think, I mean, do you think he catches like 90 passes this year? Could, could you, I, you could see it, right? I mean, it, 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 it's, in, it's in the realm of possibility. What, what do you project him for, though? 70, 75? I mean, probably. They're going to have, because it, it looks like, you know, Forte is just not, it, it, that's not working. And there's going to be, they don't have good receivers, that you would think they're just going to dump off to Powell. Maybe that's simplistic analysis, but he can catch the ball. He's probably their best playmaker on offense, more than probably. And and they're just going to put the ball in his hands, and a lot of it's going to be because he's such a good receiver. 
I don't know. As a PPR back, I get more excited about him all the time. And I keep, I'm honestly getting excited about Austin Safarian Jenkins. Just, yeah. Just because someone's got to catch yeah. the ball. Right. So I don't know. Um, all right. Two questions. I gave my kids started school today. So I gave them each a question. And um, to ask you the first one, my son's was Dalvin Cook. He's at an ADP of about 30 on MFL right now. And he's we're wondering, is, is, is this worth, is Dalvin Cook too high, too low, or just right for you right now? We talked about him in comparison to the other rookie backs earlier. What do, what do you think of that ADP that has been rocketing up all summer long? Yeah, 30 is about as high as I'm willing to go on Cook because that puts him in the middle of round three. Are you willing to go that high, though? Yeah, if, if, if I went receiver, receiver, and, and I'm looking at Cook, and if McCaffrey's gone, especially. I, I like McCaffrey a little more than Cook right now. Uh, and I like Fournette less than both of them, even though you know, we talked about the Fournette volume. I think Delvin Cook, his situation is better than what Leonard Fournette's looking at right now. Latavius Murray, to me, is just a guy. Yep. And I think they've moved on from Jarek McKinnon. So I, I think at 30, it's right on Cook. Am I going to be the guy that pushes him up to the back part of round two? No, no I'm not going to do that. Because I think, I think sticker price at 30 overall is reasonable because he can make value at that point and maybe be the kind of guy that next year we're talking about as a one-two turn sort of player. I mean, I think that's the that's the upside that Delvin Cook brings to the table. And now, now people are paying for it. If you drafted back in May or June, if you're one of the early MFL people, well, hey, Good, Good for, you. for you. You probably got a nice deal on Delvin Cook. Right, you probably did. Um, my daughter, the Clemson fan question was: Let's say, let's say you're in a, let's say an MF, a best ball league, and you're taking three quarterbacks, something like that. And if you were going to look at one of the Houston quarterbacks, that, that over the full season, would it be Savage or Watson? Oh, it has to be Watson. I mean, if you're if you're the Texans, and you think you're going to go to the playoffs with Tom Savage starting every game. You're crazy. Well, like there's, there's. I don't know if I agree with you because they went to the playoffs with Osweiler. It's amazing, isn't it? Right. And 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 what I keep saying is, and and you disagree, and I want to hear why. But I look at the Texans and I go, if you're five and three with Savage, do you make the switch? That's hard. It's hard That's for a contending the- team to do. Yeah, that, that's that's the kind of the the big thing. Like, and I think the the Niners when they switched from was it Alex Smith to Kaepernick, like that's one of the few times yeah. where a team that was having some success made that switch and got away with it, and, and it worked. Uh, but I just wonder, is it even going to take that long? I just don't, I think I think Tom Savage, as bad as Brock Osweiler was, they were patient with him because they gave him a ton of money. Even though they cut after one year, like the amount of guaranteed money Brock Osweiler got far exceeds what Tom Savage is getting this year. So you don't have that that giant contract to factor into their decision making. And I think that's the kind of thing that makes Tom Savage much more replaceable than Brock Osweiler was a year ago. But I mean, your counter arguments, the fair counter argument. This is a team that's built on defense. And when things are going well, running the ball well. So quarterback play as long as it's not atrocious that that's a, that's a low bar to clear i just think with watson they finally have a quarterback that makes the offense more dynamic you're, you're actually worried about the possibility of a deep ball you're worried about the possibility of the quarterback taking off and making some big plays with his legs and i think that's something they've lacked in that franchise 
pretty much forever. Right. <laughs> and who's their best quarterback of all time was what Matt Schaub, like at, at yes. his peak. That was that was the best quarterback season they ever had. Was like one or two years that they got Matt Schaub. He was kind of like a respectable top twelve quarterback type. And I hope for their sake that Watson's good because their defense is so good that I don't want to see it get wasted. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have no dog in that fight. I, you know, the Texans don't matter to me that much, but I love their defense so much that you, you don't want those guys being the, one of the league's great defenses for three or four years and just have crummy quarterbacks the whole time. Well, I so. think the other thing they have to realize, too, is that if you if you use a bad quarterback and go to the playoffs, you're not going to win in the playoffs. Right. That's true. You, 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 your point, your, the, whole, the whole point of getting to the playoffs is also winning there, too. And they've already checked the box of getting there yep. and getting bounced multiple times. So they have to have kind of more lofty aspirations as a franchise. And Watson gives them a much better chance of getting there than Savage. They, they, they have to have more lofty aspirations than being the early Saturday afternoon game on wildcard weekend. I yeah. Think. Play, play in the second weekend of the playoffs. Like, try to get there. Like, just try a little harder, and you'll probably get there because right. the personnel otherwise is good. Yep. But I think I joked around last year that I think it was a rule that that first, that 4.30 Eastern Saturday game had to be some combinations of Chiefs, Chiefs Texans, and Bengals. Was, oh, yeah. Always. It, Maybe it, Colts thrown in there a little bit. It, it's kind of like whichever AFC South team wins that division gets that game. Yep. That, that's, that's the automatic, the 4-5 game usually is going to be the first one we get on that Saturday. And it's the game that we're looking at on DraftKings every year. And we're saying, is anybody in this game going to be good? Because this is where all the cheap players are <laughs> this year. It's going to be Marcus Mariota. There you yeah, go. <laughs> it, well, yeah. And, and they, because of the way the West is, this could be the year where the AFC South doesn't have the four seed. The West could beat itself up so much, mm-hmm. even though those teams are better. I mean, the, the Titans could just roll everybody in the South this year. Kind of a pretty interesting record. Maybe the Titans are, are sneaky for the possible number two seed. I, I think that's a good sneaky one, too. I like that. Um, all right, everybody. Listeners to our podcast, as always, can get a free 10-day Rotowire trial at rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card required. That lets you check out nearly all the features on the site. Check it out. Rotowire.com slash pod. All right, um, we've got 10 days till the start of the season. Derek, what do we got going on this week for people that they should check out at Rotowire? Tons of articles going up from the staff. I don't even have the list because I don't actually manage that particular thing, but I know we get a lot of pieces out. I might write one up that's just kind of like a throw up everything I, I, I think all at the beginning, almost just to see how wrong I am about everything. <laughs> you know, if I, if I write it all down, I can go back easily and say, wow, that was way off. That was actually right. That was wrong. That was wrong. If I have to go back and listen to 12 podcasts to figure out everything I thought going into the season, like that's a little trickier. Uh, So that's coming up. I've got the NFFC main event coming up this Saturday in Las Vegas. So I'm looking forward to that. You're going to Vegas again? Going to Vegas and uh, got got the Thai food already lined up for Friday night. There's a place called Lotus of Siam. Uh Pretty much every time I go to Vegas now. I have to go to Lotus of Siam. Where off is it? Strip. It's um, I where <laughs> off Strip in a in a very weird looking strip mall. There's a, there's some bizarre stuff in that strip mall, but it's one of the best Thai restaurants in the country. And we found out about it. I think Chris Liss's, uh, well, not wife, but longtime girlfriend, 
found out about it through her job. She was uh, she works in wine or used to work in wine. They have this Wait, what? amazing oh, wine I need, selection. I need to learn more about this. Like, this whole this opens up a whole bunch of stuff. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. So anyway, so this this restaurant, Lotus of Siam, I think is known for their selection of Rieslings, which is weird because mm-hmm. Rieslings are German. I per- think perfect for Thai food, though the sweet ones especially. Yeah. So it pairs really well. They have they have a huge wine cellar at this place. I'm not even a wine guy, but might have to get into that this time. But the food is amazing. Like I've been really happy with the food there every time I've gone. And the best thing about it, as a local place in Las Vegas, it's cheaper than any place you would go eat on the Strip. Yeah. Like the Strip has become goofy expensive. It's either celebrity restaurants or just crappy hotel things that look nice and actually aren't good and are very expensive. So I make a point to go there pretty much every time I go to Vegas. Already got the reservations booked up for Friday. Really looking forward to checking that out. Uh, it's kind of the highlight of the trip. Other than the draft itself, of course, which goes down Saturday morning. Okay, this this sounds awesome. I like. See, the problem is with me. I don't know my Thai food. I mean, I I I really like you know pad Thai, but other than that, I don't know enough about Thai food to appreciate it. Okay, so, so that I that that's that's a great starting point because for me, that's that's where I was a while ago too, and I've become a little more adventurous over time. Yeah, there are two awesome dishes I've had. At least one you can get anywhere. Penny and curry is kind of a basic yellow curry dish. But it might, might not always be yellow curry, but it's at least yellow curry places where I get it. Really kind of a good, solid, like, step into curry. The thing that they get at Lotus of Siam that I love, it's called cow soy. And it's a uh, braised short rib in a curry sauce. And it's just amazing. And it's unlike anything else I've really eaten anywhere. So okay. it's it's like it's like a really good hey I'm in the mood for something different kind of thing. Are you a spicy Highly food guy? I, I like spicy food, and then this is one of those places where I think their scale is zero to ten, and if you say like four or five, like that's really for most people like a seven or an eight. Yeah. And if you're there with Liss, he'll say, "Give me hotter than a 10. and <laughs> and the waiter or waitress will look at him and say, "Really, sir?" He goes, "Yeah, I want the absolute hottest dish you've ever made," and I think. Well, I don't think they go to that extreme because they don't want to hurt him, which they should. They should try. They should they should see if they can do it. They will crank up the heat for stuff on him, and he he, he loves it. So he goes top of the scale. I, I go more middle of the scale because I, I want to taste the food. I don't want the, the burn to like wipe out the taste. Right. Yeah, I'm a little wimpy about the spice. I try, but I can never, you know, it's funny. My wife just laughs at me. She, I mean, she grew up with her dad from Texas, you know, making Mexican stuff. And, and I'll sit there and go, wow, this is spicy. She looks at me and goes, really? Come on. <laughs> Toughen up. No, they're flexible. That's the best thing about the Thai food. They'll, they'll adjust the, the amount of, of heat for everybody. Yep. All right. Well, enjoy your trip to Vegas. Have a great time. Um, I will. Everyone, if you like this podcast, we would appreciate if you leave us a review and a rating. We love those. Um, so please do that for us wherever you're listening. Um, Derek, thanks. We will talk to you. So next Monday, we're not going to do it. Next week, we, Derek and I will be up... Mondays and Fridays during the season, but starting next Friday, which is September 8th, we will basically record late afternoon Eastern time on Friday, covering all the injury news, everything you need to know to get ready for week one beyond the Thursday game. So Derek, really looking forward to it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to the uh, the regular schedule that's coming up uh, starting next week. And good luck with the drafts you've got uh, between now and the next time we talk. Absolutely, everybody. Good luck with your drafts, too. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Yahoo Fantasy Football. Our next episode is going to be coming on Tuesday, so please check back then. If you haven't drafted yet, we will help you get ready for your draft. For Derek Van Riper, I'm John Halpin. See you next time.